0: Today is Thursday, February 2nd. The title for our devotional is Glorification After Humiliation. So far this week we've been looking at Jesus' teaching on greatness and leadership among the disciples. He calls them to a countercultural form of leadership, servant leadership. At the end of this teaching, Jesus makes a curious statement that we often overlook, at least I do. Luke 22, 24-30. We're going to read a couple more verses than we have been the rest of the week. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In verses 28 to 30, Jesus tells his disciples that they will reign with him in his kingdom. They eat and drink at his table, they will judge the twelve tribes of Israel, the people of God. Just as we saw with Jesus, his humiliation led to his glorification. So it will be with his disciples. They have stood by Jesus in his trials. They remained faithful to him. They suffered with him, although imperfectly, in his ministry and the early years of the church. They all were persecuted and died as martyrs or exiles. They were humiliated like Jesus. Like Jesus, they will then be glorified in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 4.4 says surrounding the the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Presumably the 24 elders are the 12 sons of Jacob and the 12 disciples of Jesus. This is why Acts begins with the disciples choosing Matthias to replace Judas among the 12. 12 is an important number reflecting God's kingdom rule and authority. In their lives, the 12 disciples suffered for remaining faithful to Jesus. In the new creation, they will reign with Jesus. Peter, the de facto leader of the early church, teaches this lesson to the churches of the diaspora. 1 Peter 5, 1-11. When I first came to this text, I tried just picking out little pieces of it, but the whole thing is so good on this topic. Peter says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in his glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because, quote, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. After suffering for Christ, comes glory with Christ, for those who are in Christ. We don't have to fight to attain our glory or power now. Instead, we can know who we are and whose we are. We can be content to do the will of God, humble ourselves before the Lord, and wait for him to glorify us in the new creation. Note it's always his doing. It's always God who glorifies us. We don't glorify ourselves. This is the hope of the Christian life. And note how, again, Peter's writing to a group of people who are suffering persecution, and he has no shame about holding out the glory that awaits them in the new creation with Christ. It's not produced on their own by themselves. It is given to them by God, but he has no shame about holding that out. With this theology of knowing that what awaits us in the glorification and the new creation. We can be humble people. We can serve one another in love. We can humble ourselves before the Lord and wait for him to lift us up. And we can trust that the glorification of Christ awaits us in the new creation. For some additional content, I've linked you to a quote from C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory, where he's speaking about our desires and our longings and the experiences of things like nostalgia or beauty or uh, romanticism he talks about. Now what they really are is just taste, foretaste of the glory of the new, that we will experience in the new creation. It's a long quote so I'm not going to read the whole thing here. I'm just going to encourage you to head over to the devotional page to read it there because we're already getting long on time here. But for reflection, imagine yourself in the glory of the new creation. Imagine a world without sin and decay, without pain and suffering. Imagine being in the fullness of God's presence, seeing Jesus face to face. Imagine the mun- unity among one another. Just do your best to put yourself in the place of imagining the glory of the new creation with Christ and what awaits us. And when we do so, we're free to then serve one another in love.